Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Bridgetown Daily for Monday, February 22nd. My name is John Mark Homer, and I'm one of the pastors here at Bridgetown Church in Portland, Oregon. It is a cold winter but beautiful day, and our reading for today is from Psalm 73. I am always with you. You hold me by your right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Last week, I was without power with my family at our home for four long days due to the winter ice storm in the Pacific Northwest. It was nothing compared to our brothers and sisters down in Texas. If you are listening from there, our heart goes out to you and you are before God in our prayer. But it was in the 30s outside and in the 40s inside our house. And we were fine. We have a wood-burning fireplace, thank God. And we were all stocked up on wood for the winter. And we have a gas stove. So worst case scenario, we could all huddle around. Um, we have somebody living with us. So six of us in our house right now. We could all huddle around the fire and cook, you know, dinner by candlelight on the stove. But honestly, four days felt like four months. It was agony for me. I know, I know. And I, I realized, not to like be weird, but I realized just how emotionally dependent I am on heat and electricity. Without them, it was really hard last week for me to be happy and not to just like want to yell at everyone and everything. And I, I was fine, cold, but no different than like how human beings all over the world in the Northern Hemisphere have been living for tens of thousands of years. And that got me thinking about the spiritual life. One way to frame the entirety of the spiritual journey is as a journey from fear to love. And as with faith, as kind of the road that we travel from fear to love. The deeper our faith or our trust in Jesus, the higher our love and our capacity for love and the lower our fear. And Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount made it clear that our fear is rooted not just in the kind of survival instinct of our body and its fight or flight system, all of that, which is kind of created by God, but run amok by sin and the chaos of the world. But our fear in Jesus' teaching is rooted in what psychologists call our attachments, the things that we think we need, at least at an emotional level, in order to feel happy and okay and safe. In Jesus' teaching on money, he said, we can't worship God and money. No man can serve two masters. And then the next line, there's a paragraph break in the kind of English translation on a subheading that is not helpful at all. The next line is, therefore, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or what you will wear. For Jesus, if you start with your fear, whatever it is that you worry about, whether that's not being able to pay rent or being single past a certain age, or people getting mad at you, or whatever, 
if you trace that fear down to its root, what you will find is a corner of your heart that is still in captivity to lies, not freedom to truth. Something, a corner of your heart that is still in captivity to something or someone that does not go by the name of Jesus. Whether that is money or a certain standard of living or security or a long life or your reputation or your autonomy or you fill in the blank. Robert Mulholland, in his beautiful book, Invitation to a Journey, writes about the four layers of sin in his section on purgation, which is the ancient Christian language for discipleship, how we are purged of the hell in us this side of death. And his final layer of sin is what he calls trust structures, the things that we put our trust in in order to feel happy and at peace. Thomas Keating called these our emotional programs for happiness, the kind of coping strategies we come up with to live a happy life. Calvinists often use the language of our idols. But again, psychologists call them our attachments. There's a Christian psychologist and spiritual director I love, and he's passed on now, but his name is Gerald May, wrote this beautiful book on the dark night of the soul, which is really about more than the dark night. It's about kind of human psychology and spirituality. And this is one of my favorite paragraphs from that book that I've read about a half a dozen times. He writes this, regardless of how a compulsion appears externally, underneath it is always robbing us of our freedom. We act not because we have chosen to, but because we have to. We cling to things, people, beliefs, and behaviors, not because we love them, but because we are terrified of losing them. In a spiritual sense, the objects of our attachments and addictions become idols. We give them our time, energy, and attention, whether we want to or not, even and often, especially when we are struggling to rid ourselves of them. We want to be free, compassionate, and happy, but in the face of our attachments, we are clinging, grasping, and fearfully self-absorbed. This is the root of our trouble. There it is the root of our trouble, the bottom of our fear, which is what's holding us back from a life of love and faith and hope is our attachments to things that do not go by the name of Jesus. The opposite of that in kind of modern Christian language is detachment. Now, detachment's a word that's used by secular mindfulness experts and Buddhists and Christian psychologists, and it means different things to different people. Here's Robert Mulholland's definition of detachment in the Christian tradition. A deep inner posture of joyful release of our life and being to God in absolute trust, without demands, without conditions, without reservations. It is neither passive resignation nor a fatalistic acquiescence to whatever comes. It is rather a consistent posture of actively turning our whole being to God so that God's presence, purpose, and power can be released through our lives into all situations. This is what we see in Psalm 73. Whom have I in heaven but you, and earth has nothing I desire besides you. The poet has come to that ultimate place of spiritual maturity, the place of detachment, where he can genuinely say, earth has nothing I desire besides you. 
The Hebrew preposition there, besides, means on par with you or equal to you. So it's not that he doesn't have desires to live a long life or have a happy marriage or have his kids turn out great. It's that they are all just in their rightful place below God. There's no desire that even comes close on this earth to his desire to just be with God. The opening line of that stanza, I am always with you. If we can grow and mature to this place, genuine emotional condition where we are so with God all of the time, abiding as Jesus called it in the spirit, and we are free of all of these other things we think we need that sabotage love and increase our fear. If we can grow and mature to that place, then we are truly free in Christ. So to end, what is it that you are attached to in captivity to your emotional need for? What about me? Comes to mind for me is a certain standard of living. Is my kids turning out a certain way? Is people having a certain opinion about me, a moral judgment of me? My reputation, which is not actually who I am, it's who other people think I am. These are attachments in my heart. What are the attachments in your heart that hold you in fear and back from love? I invite you right now, maybe just take a few deep breaths. And as things come to mind, just wait on God. would invite you just to literally take your hands and hold them out in front of you, palms up, and imagine like literally holding these things in your hands. Then I would invite you just to turn your hands over, palms down, fingers splayed out, just as a way of praying with your body and saying, God, I let go. Let go of the need for to have this thing or this outcome, or this relationship or this reputation or this anything. God, set our heart free from our fear and our attachments. Fill our heart with your presence, your love, your joy and peace. Let us come to the place where we can say with the psalmist, earth has nothing I desire besides you.